Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. You're listening to the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio. Brought to you by Northtown Automotive. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find it at Northtown. Shop online at NorthtownAuto.com. All right, I'm putting in a request right now for Big Voice Guy to say, and Zach Jones. You're listening to Sal Capaccio and Zach Jones. Zach, what's going on? Sal Capaccio here from the NFL Combine. Zach Jones back at our Amherst studios on the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show, brought to you by Northtown Automotive. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find it at Northtown. Shop online at NorthtownAuto.com. What's going on back in Amherst? Oh, we're hanging out. We got some good weather today. I wore sunglasses and had the windows down coming in. Yes. Sal, my vibe is through the roof right now because of that. I love it. So I think what happens is this time of year, I heard the ice boom is getting removed. All right, so heck with Punxsutawney Phil. When the ice boom Mm -hmm. gets removed in Buffalo, that's when spring begins. All right, when you can start riding with your... You know, window down, that's when spring begins. And when you come to the NFL Combine, that's kind of when spring begins, to be quite honest with you. So mm-hmm. that's where I am today in Indianapolis. And um, it is it's quite the setup here. There's a big blue tent. On one side is all of these different media, you know, tables with teams and banners. You know, One Bills Live is here. And I see the Raiders, the Texans, the Steelers, the Giants, everybody. You got different podcasts going on. And then the other side, okay, that's where you get your networks and NBC and CBS. But that's where all the podiums are and people talking. And we heard from Sean McDermott yesterday, Brandon Bean today. A lot going on here and a lot to learn from the combine. We're not going to get all the juicy stuff necessarily as far as the inside details on who they're going to draft, Zach. But I really thought it was interesting yesterday that Sean McDermott right away, you know, and again, I should say, 
talked about the importance of explosive plays, and I don't think I'm moving off focusing on wide receivers from now until at least through free agency to see what they do there and then the draft. And I think that's the thing, too, like you brought up. We, we've got to wait till free agency happens before we'll really know because defensive tackle, of course, is still a need. I mean, they have, what, four defensive linemen under contract, so it makes sense. But you're right. Like, immediately McDermott went right back to explosive plays, and it— and like that's, I mean, that's what got me going immediately on this wide receiver idea. I know he's only taken, or him and Bean together, have only taken one wide receiver in rounds round four and up. But it's been brought up since the season has ended, and this wide receiver class looks to be historically deep with guys who are explosive. If you want Troy Franklin, Brian Thomas Jr., Xavier yep. Worthy, I'm a big Jalen Polk guy. Like there's there are guys to be had from rounds one all the way down to three. All right, so here's what we're going to do today. Um, Zach is manning the fort back in our Amherst studios and our Duntire studios. I'm here at the NFL Combine. I'm going to be mobile, walking around from different to see different people, tables, and things like that. And right now, I'm actually going to walk over to get with my guy John Harris, the Houston Texans. What is going on, my brother? How are you? I'm well, man. How are you doing? I'm, I'm good. How many combines is this for you? Um, this is number nine because we didn't have one in 21. I think that's it. So this is our tenth year on the sideline. I say our because I know you and I have the same. Yep. Birthday on the sideline. So we had, this is 10 years on the sideline. But 21, we did not have a combine here. We had the combine at 20, but then we didn't have the pro days. 21, we didn't have a combine, but we had the pro days. So, so ninth combine, and it's, um, it's definitely grown. I mean, you and I met over at uh, the West Club over in Lucas Oil. We were jammed in there like sardines. Luckily, our tables were outside, and we started talking about football and talking about our shared experiences, and all of a sudden struck up a friendship, and here we are, man. All right, so I actually wanted to ask you about that, how the combine has changed over the years. What have been the bigger differences in how the NFL treats it and how colleges and players treat it? Well, it's been interesting to watch this and the Senior Bowl. Like, down at the Senior Bowl, you, I don't know how many college head coaches I saw that just wanted to be there and just it was you know, being seen like you were there on the spot to show your recruits, hey, we're here. Look at all the players that I coached that are now at the Senior Bowl. So it was you needed to be seen. When we were at the Combine in 15, our first one, I think there were nine tables outside. It was us, it was y'all, it was the Steelers, the Vikings, and then and a few others. That was it. Now you look around, we're in a convention center. I think every team is represented. Almost every team is represented. And it's people that call the games. It's us, you know, silent reporters. It's play-by-play voices. There's Paul Allen from the Vikings over there. Obviously, I'm here with Mark, you know, our, our play-by-play guy. Um, and so just seeing the people that call the game, that are around the game, seeing the media members and how that's grown. And on the other side, you've got – you know, the big setups, you know, it's like to be here, you're, you're part of everything going on. I mean, you'll see things on Twitter and go, oh, hey, I just, I just listened to him talk. I listened to him say that I was right here. You kind of, it's almost that FOMO, you know, fear of missing out on what's going on in the NFL because everything that's happening in the NFL is happening like right in this building for the most part or any of the connected hotels. So it's always cool to just be kind of here and, and what's happening. And, you know, of course, we catch up with our coaches and and, and see them and you know D'Amico get a chance to catch up with D'Amico today and Nick Casario tomorrow it's been a big been a big year for D'Amico obviously he had to run and then he just had his uh, fourth child uh, about a couple of weeks ago so a lot to celebrate but it's always good to see them here in a different environment than we're used to back home one of the opponents for the Bills next year is the Houston Texans the Bills will travel down to Houston uh, what are what are you looking to hear from what do you expect to hear from as far as the offseason where their direction is headed after that outstanding 2023 well thank God we're not looking for a quarterback Thank God. Even We've been there, and I know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you guys obviously solved that a lot earlier than we did, and we thought we had it solved, and then obviously that went sideways. Um, but we feel like we're very obviously confident what CJ was able to do in year one. 
Um, but they just set the tone with such a rookie class with C.J. Will, Anderson, and then Tank Dell. Obviously, Tank got hurt near the end, and that really hurt us. We never really figured out how to find our explosive plays outside of that. We did have one here in India with Nico, but that was about it. So I still think we've got to find an explosive weapon offensively, whether it's a running back, whether it's wide receiver. Um, but there are a lot of free agent options. Um, there's one in Buffalo a lot of people in Houston have been talking about. Uh, Mr. Gabe Davis, don't know if he'll end up back in Buffalo, but a lot of people are really intrigued by what he could do, what he could bring uh, to us. So I know he's a name that gets thrown around. But we've got to get a little bit more explosive offensively. And then defensively, we, we really have no size. We don't have size on our, on our defensive front. You know, we've got a, you know, a bunch of 295, 300-pounders that make do, and they're very good in this defense. But I feel like we've got to find some size. But we finally have cap space. We still have our draft picks. So we've got another opportunity here to build on what we did last year. We've got Bobby Sloak, our offensive coordinator, coming back, our really good quarterbacks coach, Gerard Johnson, coming back. So the staff is staying continuous, and that's good. We haven't had that for a while. So, I mean, this is the first year we talked to Nick right after the, um, the offseason. I saw him at the Senior Bowl, and I said, I said, hey, man, you're at the Senior Bowl. It's kind of nice to not be hiring a new head coach again. The first three years he had to do that. So there's a lot of continuity, and so that's good. But – we play a first-place schedule. We were going to play you guys anyways, but now we've got Kansas City on the road. We've got Baltimore at home. We go to Dallas. So we've got a first-place schedule to play, and those, those three games can matter. They, can, they, they matter in a huge way. You know, last year we faced the Jets, the Cardinals, the Broncos, and we went 2-1 and one in those games. So we go 2-1 and one in these games, I think we'll be where we want to be. But um, as far as building this team, I think the, the young core has really been put together. But now we've got to take it. You know, our defensive line has got to get a little bit better. Obviously, we have 30 free agents, I think, to have to figure out what we're going to do with them to fill out our 90-man roster. But I think we, we can make a splash in free agency with a player, maybe two. But we got to sign some of our own. I hope we bring back Motor. He was fantastic for us. I wanted to ask you about Devin. Yeah. Yeah, he had a really nice season. What do you see in his future? I know the team would like to have him back. Yeah, we, we would like to have him back. I mean, I, you know, Namiko talked about two things at the end of the season he wanted to see better. He wanted to see the defensive line get better. Um, and he wanted the running game to get better. Now, the offensive line wasn't great. Guys were out of position. Guys were – we started four backups on week one, and it kind of went like that all year. So we never really got to a good level running the football. But we really kind of took off when Motor, you know, stepped up and became that guy for us. I mean, if he started the whole year, he's probably a 1,300-yard rusher. And maybe the perception of the way people look at him in Houston is a little different. But I know people in Houston are talking about Saquon Barkley and Derrick Henry, and I'm like – and don't forget about Motor. I'd like to be able to bring Motor back, but I want to see Motor get his opportunity, and I, I hope it's in Houston, but I want to see him get his opportunity. You and I talked about him before, just an unbelievable individual, just always a smile on his face, a guy that I, I will cheer for wherever he goes. Um, he was fantastic in Indy, you know, the last game of Week 18. Um, but he had great games. I mean, Cincinnati, he ran for 150 yards, and we're all looking at each other like, we haven't had a 100-yard rusher in like three years in a game. So to see him do that – um, and what he was able to bring to this team. And, and obviously, people in Houston watching the Tennessee Titans wear Houston Oilers jerseys will always remember Motor's catch against them in overtime that got us in field goal range to beat them. I mean, that was an incredible afternoon. Motor was so good. We needed him to be because we didn't have CJ. And he makes that catch up the sideline and got us in field goal range. And I know our fans will never forget that. But he's spoken of so highly in Houston. People in our building loved him. I think we'd like to add to him and have him and somebody else, but it's free agent. So I want to make sure he gets the best offer and gets the best money wherever he can go. All right. Let me ask you about another free agent that bills fans might be interested in Noah Brown. Tell me about Noah Brown a little bit. Should bills fans be looking at him as a possible addition because the bills are probably interested in reworking the wide receiver room. 
Yeah, I think Noah would be a, a, a good fit. The fact that you have Stefan and you have Shakir, you have those two. There might be a little crossover, a little bit with Khalil, but there were times, you know, Noah started for us week one against the Ravens and got hurt in that game. And really everybody's like, okay, well, you know, we got, you got Nico, we got Tank, and we got Robert Woods. We're fine. We're okay. Noah came back. There were some guys getting banged up. He came back. I, I think maybe the Buccaneers game was maybe his first game back, and he like seven catches for 165 yards. And it was like, okay, all right. Noah's going to do some things. So he was kind of hit or miss, though. I mean, he had some games for us like that one, like the one against Cincinnati. Um, he has a key play down the stretch to set up the game-winning field goal. But then there were games like the Jets where man, he couldn't catch a cold. And it was like, ah, you know, there was like just con- you know, consistency not there for him. But in times when we really needed him to step up for us, he stepped up. I think he's a really solid number three. I think expecting him to be anything other than that is going to be difficult. And in a draft class in which you can go find one in the third, fourth round, you're probably better doing that. But you just know that Noah's going to bring some veteran presence. He's quiet. He doesn't say a whole lot. There will be no drama with him. Um, that's just not his way. And he'll just go out and ball. Um, we'd have him for an interview, and it would be like five minutes long because he just he didn't say a whole lot. Um, but in that way, he's kind of good to have around, but he's got veteran uh, presence. And we, we needed that last year. I don't know how much we need that this year with Tank and Nico already kind of you know, set in place. But um, I think for you guys, finding a wide receiver, you could find a wide receiver, I think, rounds three or four and be really What's, really What do you think in this uh, draft class, John? You do a lot of work on the draft. Yeah. Would it be better for the Bills to add at 28 or even trade up a few spots, which they've done the last few years, or wait? and take maybe a little bit more of the value in the second or third round in that area, wide receivers? Well, I think for you guys, I mean, you don't, I mean, just on paper, you don't have that many holes. But if you have ones at key positions, like if you need some edge rush help, if you need defensive tackle, it might be better to go at 28 and get that guy in the defensive line and get a receiver second, third round, because I still think you're going to get great value in the third round. Heck, I think you can get, you could potentially get a guy like Ricky Pearsall from Florida in a third round, and he could step in, and he could be a, he could be a big time player and do time for you. I think he's a fantastic player. I mean, that's a guy you get third, third, fourth round. So that's just how deep this class is. I think you get one in the second round. I'm not sure what you guys have draft capital wise, but you can get one in the ten picks. So they have a lot. Well, you have one in the second round. Every every round, and then a bunch late. I think you in the second round have got tons of options, depending on where you are in the second round and what could fall to you. I mean. Labaconky, Georgia, Ricky Pearsall, Florida, Roman Wilson. I have Roman Wilson in my mock draft going to us in the second round, which would be add more speed to the speed we already have. But I think you can find whatever you're looking for. Any of the three Washington receivers, Dunes is going to be gone, McMillan, Polk, um, those guys are fantastic. To me, I think you guys would be better served taking one second, third round, focus on one of your other uh, more distinct needs, defensive line in the first round, getting a receiver second or third round. I think you're going to be able to find one of – Big-time, big-time player in one of those second and third rounds at the receiver position. The combine, then you have the draft, and then we get the schedule, and then we find out when Buffalo goes down to Houston and me and you getting some barbecue, brother. Yeah, I mean, look, barbecue, <laughs> 24-7, 365. It's not seasonal, so you come down and get it. Um, brisket prices are gone high, but that's okay. But, man, you throw a dart anywhere in the city. We're going we're gonna to get you some good barbecue, there's no question. Uh, I hope it's a night game. Be nice to go on, you know, Sunday morning, go and get some nice barbecue uh, wherever. Shoot, you can have barbecue for breakfast down there. So, yeah, we'll get any time. But, yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be fun. I'd like for it to be in September, so it's like 105 degrees when you guys come. Just so you can experience what life is like really, truly uh, in Houston. But, yeah, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a tough schedule. But can't wait for you guys to come back for the first time since uh, 
It's the first time since the playoff game. Is it that, is, is that yeah. It? yeah. 2018, 2018, Josh Allen. Yeah. I mean, five, 2019. Years, five years ago, and look how much things have changed, man. Holy smokes. You're right. Hey, always great catching yeah. up. And I'll see you around this week. Absolutely, man. You owe us one now. You're gonna, you're gonna. I'm gonna jump on with you guys later. No doubt, I'll be here. Okay, all right. You jump on with us, and we'll be fair. We'll be all right, fair. you got it. John Harris, right there, sideline reporter for the Houston Texans. He's also doing uh, multimedia stuff for the Texans here. This is what it's like out here, Zach. Just walk around, and you never know who I'm gonna stick a mic in the face of. But he, he talked about your guy Polk a little bit, you know, and and uh, the other receivers. It's, it is a class that I think that the debate is, Zach. Can you get? Do you want to go at 28? Or do you want to wait to get them later? You're not going to get the top end guys, but you're going to get some value. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, like everyone is kind of just the big three are gone, and and that's more than okay. But when when you do look at this class, it really is like, all right, does it kind of form the way? I, I know Chris Trapasso of CBS has talked about this, where only four or five guys going in round one, and the fourth guy could go at 28. I'm somebody, as much as I'm, I, I am big on the wide receiver train, I wanted this team taking Christian Watson a few years ago. I was passing notes to Jeremy when I was producing the morning show, getting him to ask about him. But if, if you got a guy like a Byron Murphy from Texas as a defensive tackle and five wide receivers have gone before you, it's not like they're giving up on wide receiver. That's positional value. And then you heard there, Ricky Pearsall out of Florida, Lad McConkney, Roman Wilson is somebody I'm interested in because being in Michigan, he didn't get to see a very pass-heavy offense. Like he could be somebody. Let me ask you a question, Zach. You, mm-hmm. when, we, when we talk about Lad McConkey, every time I love Lad McConkey. Is there a spot for him in this offense? I don't think so. Sha- Shakir, look, Khalil Shakir has basically taken mm-hmm. over that slot role. I think. Well, you have Shakir doing that, and then you also got Kincaid. Like, where's is right. anyone actually stretching the field anymore? And we're kind of in the same spot we were last year, where it's just every pass is within five yards of the line of scrimmage, and there's just no. Big play ability. I think McCockney's great. I would be surprised if he gets past Carolina to open up round two, but I just I don't see a spot for him in the Bills' offense. Yeah, I, I think that's the issue with me. I, when I talk, when we talk with people about receivers, we evaluate receivers. I think we the Bills. What we need to focus on here in the media is maybe the X wide receiver, not as much the slot. There's room for a slot receiver, and you can slide Shakir outside, but I think it was proven last year that Khalil Shakir is much more effective in the slot. And as you make a very good point, that's also Dalton Kincaid territory, right? So to me, what the Bills have to concentrate on is X receiver outside, and that brings in the future of Gabe Davis. And I just the more this goes on, the longer this goes on, I just have a grow more growing feeling that Gabe Davis will not be a part of the Buffalo Bills in 2024. Yeah, and and I, and I do too, and it, it's a shame. But I will say this, and, and I do kind of want to hammer this point on anytime I talk about Gabe Davis. They got exceptional value from him as a fourth round pick. He came in year one, agreed, caught I think seven touchdowns as a rookie, and and really kept that that stat line going the whole way. It was disappointing that he didn't develop into that future true number two wide receiver, but as a fourth-round pick out of UCF, you really couldn't have asked for much better. No, I agree with that. And then, you know, it's funny. We talk about some of these guys that, you know, didn't really necessarily pan out right away. A.J. Vanessa, second-round pick, right? Zach Moss, a third-round pick. I think over the last couple of years, though, we've seen – that some of these guys the Bills have taken in the middle rounds have. Tyler Bass actually was a middle-round pick, right? But mm-hmm. how about the guy we just talked about, Devin Singletary? Devin Singletary actually said he was a nice player for four years in Buffalo. He goes on to Houston, but it's about value and where they take him. And how about James Cook, what he did last year mm-hmm. as a second-round pick? Sometimes it does take 
a year or two for a lot of these players to kind of grow into that. And then just uh, revisiting my conversation with John Harris a moment ago, the, the Texans, they are a team that is to be reckoned with. Now, there's always that, okay, they've kind of arrived. Everybody knows who you are. You have a tougher schedule. So you, they could have a little bit of a dip. I get that. But that is a team now that I think has to be in the discussion of one of the better teams in the AFC after what we saw from them last year in pretty much a relatively you know weaker division compared to most. Oh, yeah. And especially... I I think they have the quarterback position all figured yep. out. C.J. Stroud looked years beyond what he should have been. He has a cannon of an arm, throws one of the smoothest footballs you'll see, and I mean, he was a captain right out of the gate. And like so, they have him, Will Anderson Jr., who they traded up for last year, and it, and at the time it looked a little bit of a surprising move. People forget Houston has a first round pick this year. They didn't lose that. They have Cleveland's who they beat in the playoffs, so they have an even earlier pick than they would have had if they kept it. They're a team, if they can just weather the storm of now having that first-place schedule, they're going to be one of the problems in the AFC for years to come. I think really the only team that stands in their way currently in the AFC South is Indianapolis, but I want to put an asterisk there because we just don't know really what Anthony Richardson's going to be. Just a little while ago, Joe Shane was at the podium for the New York Giants. That's what happens here. You just have these 15-minute podium in, podium out. You have 15 minutes, the media questions, and then they're off. And then you have a schedule of GMs, head coaches. We've heard from, or at least they've been at the podium today, Brian Goodikins, the GM of the Green Bay Packers. Dan Campbell, the head coach of the Lions, spoke a little while ago as well. Coming up in a little while, Eric DaCosta is about to hit the podium, as well as Omar Khan uh, from the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're going to hear from Brian Callahan, new coach of the Tennessee Titans, that's coming up here at one of the podiums at 1045. And Raheem Morris, new coach of the Atlanta Falcons, also coming up at 1045. So a lot going on here at the NFL Combine. Our coverage continues here on the Extra Point Show. It's the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show. Sal Capaccio, Zach Jones, going to be talking a lot more about what's happening with some of the other teams, the Bills specifically, and Brandon Bean speaking today at 1.15 p.m. We'll talk more about that when we come back here after this timeout on the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show, live from the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. All right, we were just about to have Aditi Kikawabwa on, but actually she's got uh, one of the head Steelers, I think, who she covers the Steelers uh, a lot for CBS. He's coming over, so she's going to talk with him. So we're just about to do that. So this is what happens here at the NFL Scouting Combine. Uh, In the meantime, Sal Capaccio here live from Indianapolis. We are, by the way, we're taking your phone calls. 803-0550 is the number to call if you want to jump on board here on the Extra Point Show. Sal Capaccio, sneaky Joe DiBiase. Also, I see Joe Shane standing over there, Giants GM. I'm going to make a prediction here, Zach. And that is that the Giants are going to sign more than one Bills pending free agent. I don't know who, but that's what happens in this league, right? That's oh, what happens yeah. in this league. I mean, they, they, you, they are so familiar with Bills players that Joe Shane brought in and Brian Dable coached and other people in the organization that my prediction is that you will see at least two Bills free agents sign with the New York Giants this offseason. I would not be surprised at all, and and we all like to make you know poke fun at the Bills Carolina connection, but that's because their right. entire staff came over from Carolina. They still had those connections. Those connections have willed and are now gone. But that's why. And then it's the same thing. You have Brian Dable, Joe Shane there. Why would they not do it? It makes complete sense to me. I think what I'm most fascinated with them is what are they going to do with Saquon Barkley? I don't think they have a franchise quarterback in Daniel Jones. The year they made the playoffs, Dable's first year, a lot of that was Barkley being a main focus of the offense. They seem like they're at a bit of a crossroads here of like what is going to happen. I know you're not typically supposed to sign running backs to long-term deals, really expensive deals either, but it kind of feels like they're going to need to for a lot of people to keep their jobs long-term here. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, there was talk even towards the end of last year about like Brian Dable in the hot seat. I never bought it, but you know, they just had such a down year compared to what they were expecting in New York. And you're right, that Saquon situation. I, I actually, I, I give Joe Shane a lot of credit. He is not beholden to the, you know, fantastic running back who you with the name you can't let go of. I, I think they were willing to do it last year, but it worked out for them. I do not expect them to offer Saquon Barkley a really big contract. And I think Saquon Barkley, now he might go back to New York because running backs just don't get paid now, right? That might happen. But I think that the Joe Shane is willing to walk away from that. He learned that from Brandon Bean. I mean, Brandon Bean, when he was with Joe Shane, and you know, you, you cycle through running backs. You don't pay running backs. You don't draft them in the first round. Yeah, I know the Bills drafted James Cook in the second round and a couple in the third. You don't draft in the first and you don't give them big contracts. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. Like The Bills have spent higher draft capital, quote-unquote, to get running backs, but then they are, they've shown to be, I don't want to say happily move off them, but it's not really, it seems like, a very difficult decision. I think for the Giants, though, Sal, they're sitting at sixth overall in the first round. Are they a team that potentially could trade up for somebody? I'm, I'm somebody, I don't know if New England takes a quarterback at three. I think that roster's quite a bit away. I kind of could see New York deciding, let's get a little wild here. We've got a good quarterback class. Maybe they like somebody, and they do decide to 
you know, pivot off of Daniel Jones because I think they have a really good coach in Dable, and I hate for the decision of Jones that preceded them to ultimately be the reason that they get fired or potentially get fired. Last year here at the NFL Combine, really over the last couple of years, things have been building in the AFC East with a lot of storylines. That hasn't changed, but I think the difference obviously now is, you know, last year we all kind of were talking about Aaron Rodgers, where he might go, and it really hadn't been the Jets were kind of rumored to be a team. It didn't happen until a little bit later, if I remember correctly. It wasn't until April. But, you know, nobody really knew what was going to happen there. This year, the team, the mysterious team in the AFC East, I think, is the Patriots, right? It's Gerard Mayo coming in. What are they going to do at the top of the draft? Quarterback, Drake May, Jaden Daniels. It's going to be interesting to hear, see what the Patriots are going to do and hear from uh, their brass on their first year on the job post-Bill Belichick. That new era has begun. And they always got to do stuff differently, Sal, don't they? Because they don't even have an official GM. They've got like four people all kind of serving in that same role. And I'm just like, can you guys just be normal for five minutes? Like you just had a defensive coordinator as your offensive coordinator. Can we just get in a straight line here and all drive together? But they are. Like they are a team. I, I don't know if they'll draft a quarterback. They absolutely could. I think it would be the right decision. They could also be a team that says, you know what? We're just going to take the best player in this draft, and we'll take Marvin Harrison Jr., and we'll go get a quarterback next year, or we'll sign Ryan Tannehill or Kirk Cousins this offseason. If that's where they think they are, they are that kind of – they're in the corner of the party. No one really knows who they are. No one knows who brought them, but they're here. Yeah, no, that's right. And I think about the Jets a little bit, the Dolphins. You know, The big talk of the Dolphins last year when they were – you know, obviously building and have this incredible speed and Tyree Kill and Tua and Tua's injuries last year. Not as much talk about the Dolphins aren't like a buzz offseason team this year, right? I think more than anything, it's like, yeah, can you get can you get back? Like they were disappointing. I feel like the talk on the Dolphins this year is more about their challenges than their expectations, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, I, you know why I think they're also not really talked about too much, Sal. Is I think a lot of people are just kind of waiting for the Tua deal to break or not. And I think like that's just until you know where their mindset is with their quarterback, right now we all kind of have an image with the Dolphins. They can score a lot of points, they can beat up on bad teams, but you get them in cold weather, you get them against teams that are above 500 minus the Cowboys, they, they falter. And so like for now it's just like you're kind of you're just waiting for the Dolphins to make a move. And until then they're just they're going to kind of be in, in a stasis where just they're just kind of there for right now. Brandon Bean scheduled to man podium number 8 at 1.15 p.m. Let's see what we got up there right now. What time is it? 10.35, right? Eric DaCosta is talking right now. Omar Khan. John Harbaugh scheduled at 11.15, along with uh, George Patton of the Broncos. Adam Peters coming your way. So a lot of people here at the NFL Scouting Combine 2024. All right, let's uh, let's take a timeout here. I'm going to try and get a couple people I'm eyeing here. I'd like to kind of get with and hook up with so we'll do that now we'll take a quick time out we'll come back here we'll see if we can hook on with uh, some of the other many many media members who are doing a lot of different running around here at the nfl scouting combine sal capaccio along with zach jones on the northtown automotive extra point show live from the indianapolis scouting combine just always impressed with bobby's curiosity about the game offensively defensively as well obviously and then he's got a vision for what and how he sees the defense not only now but also also moving forward you know what zach i'm gonna see if i can walk over here i was just talking with 
Just talking with Cameron Wolf here. I'm gonna I'm gonna put him on the spot. You got a second here? You want to join me here, Cameron Wolf? NFL Network. How are you, buddy? I'm great, man. How you feeling? I'm doing I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. I mean, how many combines is this for you? Oh, uh, eight or nine. I think it's about eight or nine. This might be my ninth combine, tenth year covering the league uh, coming up. I think I didn't go my first year, but I've been ever since. So and it's grown so much. I mean, you see all the teams and media here. Yep. All the all the cameras over here at the podiums. I mean, this thing has gotten huge. No, nah, it's huge. I think when I first started, it might have been like like plastic chairs, everybody kind of loading up one at a time. And now you got eight coaches sometimes talking at a time. You've got team media over here with their setups for everyone. And so every, uh, I think everybody's covering the combine as if it's you know a playoff game. So it's it's become a huge deal. All right, so in Buffalo, we're obviously talking about the people talk about the window being closed. I think as long as you have Josh Allen, the window's never closed. But give me the 30,000-foot view of the Bills and where they are in this space right now, the, what they have to do and having – guy like Josh Allen still in his prime, but an aging roster where they have some places to fill. Yeah, this will be an interesting offseason for Buffalo because the reality is is that we're living in the Patrick Mahomes era. You know, whether you want to hear it or not in Buffalo and that, like, no matter how great things are set up, you're still going to have to go through the Chiefs. And I think for Buffalo, they have the right quarterback to get over the top, but that roster is going to be quite a bit in transition. you got two uh, older safeties who have been the core of the heart of the defense. Are one of them gone? Are both of them gone? What do you do to replace those guys? That's a key question there. What do you do at the cornerback spot is it do you go back with the the same duo you had before or do you bring back a Russell Douglas is he gonna price himself out in free agency I think the secondary is probably where I start a lot of my attention Buffalo looking this offseason and then you're gonna have to try to figure out how do we win those games when it counts in those playoff situations you know they had a chance at home this year just could not get over the top I'm really eager to see what they do on that defensive side of the ball not only pass rush I mean not only uh, the secondary but also it would be nice to get another pass rusher in that bunch to be able to get a Patrick Mahomes, to get a Lamar Jackson, a Joe Burrow when you need them down the stretch. And then obviously the team talking about explosive plays. They're going to have to figure out a way to get back to what they were a couple of years ago. Stephon Diggs obviously didn't have the production late in the year. Bills say they still believe he's number one. Gabe Davis, pending free agent. This is a draft for wide receivers. It looks like the Bills are going to eye that. Absolutely. I wouldn't be surprised if they move on from Gabe Davis and they try to find another option there. Dalton Kincaid has slowly become that, you know, the, the, the Robin sword to Diggs Batman, and I think you'll see him continue to grow. And ideally, he becomes that top five, that top ten tight end that you envision when you draft him. But you're going to need another guy. Stephon Diggs, probably going to be back this year, but he's, his, his, his window so to speak, is probably closing. You have to realize maybe you have a year or two of Stephon Diggs at this still high level as a number one receiver, but who is going to be that next iteration? And so maybe it's a guy in the draft. Maybe maybe it's a first rounder, but maybe it's a third rounder. I just think you need to put resources in it. I like what I saw from Khalil Shakir last season, but I would like to add another piece in that room to be able to help them um, spread out the, the, the wealth. You know, I know there's a lot of questions about Steph um, and how many targets he's getting, but I think when you saw them play their best, they were spreading the ball to everyone. You don't want to feel like you're forcing Josh to get it to one guy. And I think that's when the Bills' offense is at their best. All right, you used to cover the Miami Dolphins, correct? And so I just said in the air, I feel like this season, this offseason, it's more about their challenges and their expectations. Is that right? Absolutely. Last offseason, it was about bringing in a Jalen Ramsey and everything's hot. Mike McDaniel's second year, comfort with Tua. Can Tua stay healthy? Those are the things. I think a lot of those questions have been erased and now is what's the next step for them? They've proven they're a good team. Can they get over the top? And the fact that they've had two runs at the playoffs and zero wins is a little bit, you get a little antsy for that because it's nice to score 70 points. It's nice to have all the motion, but if it's not translating in December and January, what do you do? And they went all in last offseason 
with a lot of their roster moves. And so they're in a situation salary cap wise, kind of like the Bills, where they have some older guys that they've started to release. They've started to try to go the younger route. And I wouldn't be surprised if they start OTAs as a worse quote unquote talent roster than they were at the end of last year as they take a step back. So they've already gotten rid of Xavier Howard and Emmanuel Agba. They're going to have a decision coming up on Jerome Baker, who uh, they may try to shake down for a pay cut. And then you'll have a Christian Wilkins, who is set to be a free agent. Do they franchise tag him? Do you give him an extension? These are key contributors on that defense, not to mention Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips are two top edge rushers. Both had an ACL and Achilles injury. Neither one of those expected back week one. And so they're in a situation where it's, it's a little precarious for them. They're going to have to figure out early in the season how to get by. And then the lingering question all offseason will be, do you pay Tua the big money contract? Because he and his people are going to want that $50 million type deal that the Josh Allens, the Joe Burrows, the Lamar Jacksons, the, the Patrick Mahomes have. Have you seen enough from him that you give him that deal? And if you don't, what's the fallout if you just let him play out his fifth-year option? All right, last one for me. I appreciate your time. New era in New England. Mm-hmm. They're picking third. They have to take a quarterback to reset this, right? Absolutely. I think Gerard Mayo brings something different for New England. It's no longer the Bill Belichick Patriots way. And so I know they've already brought in other people from outside of the Patriots regime to be able to have this implemented. Number three, pick. They're going to have a shot over the one of the top three guys. You know, probably not Caleb, but maybe it's Jaden Daniels. Maybe it's Drake May. I think they're in a really good spot. I'm eager if they feel comfortable with any of the top three and just sit there, or do they feel like we've got to go and get our guy? Whether that's moving up to one with Chicago who's talked to some teams about that pick, or is it we got to get ahead of Washington or switch spots with Washington. I think how they rank those top three is going to determine how they go about it, but I'd be shocked if New England doesn't come out of this draft with the quarterback. You're the best, man. I only wore my pink button down because you wore your pink button down. I wanted to look like you today. Man, we got we to match. We got to flow. <laughs> Only a few more days of February. You got to have the pink, right? Yeah, I love it, man. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate you, man. Right, thank you. you. Yeah, that is Cameron Wolf. All right, Cameron. All right, thank you very much. We're going to see you down the road. All right, Cameron Wolf right there live. That's what happens here on the Extra Point Show, Joe. Um, yeah, he agreed, right? I mean, we talked about the Dolphins. And how about the Patriots? They have to take a quarterback third, uh, Zach. Sorry, Zach, I know Joe's off today. Zach Jones back at the station. Um, they got to take a quarterback number three. And I don't know what the better fit for them is. You could debate that all day long. Jaden Daniels, Drake May, we could see all that. It's probably not going to be Caleb Williams, but I think they have to go that route. I think they do. I'm just, I, I, a part of me is just, it keeps lingering in the back of my mind of just like, Maybe they know their roster isn't there yet, and they'll be willing to maybe trade back. I I don't love that, but maybe just take the best player available, Marvin Harrison Jr., and wait till next year and kind of slowly build this rather than jump at the quarterback now and potentially put him in a really bad spot. With that being said, I, I think it'd be a really good pick for them if they got either Jaden Daniels, who won the Heisman Trophy this year, or Drake May, who had a bit of an off year this year. But as a sophomore, he threw 37 touchdown passes, a North Carolina team that wasn't overly talented. And once he got Tez Walker back after he had some NCAA um, issues, nothing grade-wise or anything, that was just his eligibility um, from transferring. Once he got him back, Drake May took off. It was just not a very talented North Carolina team. I think they'd be fine with either. I'm going to be sitting there all day of the draft until they definitely pick third, thinking that they're not going to take a quarterback there. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. 
Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I've also been thinking about trade scenarios, and even when it comes to the Bills. The Bills have traded up a couple of times recently. The last two years, they traded up for Kyrie Elam a couple spots. They traded up for Dalton Kincaid a couple spots. I wouldn't be totally shocked if Brandon Bean pulls off a trade-up. Now, I think if you do it this year, it's probably for a wide receiver. Now, granted, free agency is going to have a lot to dictate to say about all this, and we'll see where it goes. But as I sit here right now, Zach, I would not be completely stunned if Brandon Bean moves up in the draft to take somebody he wants with 10 picks. Overall, he's going to have 10. They have nine right now. They'll mm-hmm. get a comp pick, a third pick. They're not, they're not going to dr- take 10 players. I know they do have to replenish the roster a bit, but you're talking about late-round picks that probably won't make the team anyway. So I think that there's some maneuvering that could be done if he wants to move up in the first round. It wouldn't stun me. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's where I'm at, too. It would not stun me at all. And it's, it's not, I mean, when we hear a lot of trade-up talk, it's, it's a lot of like moving from like 28 to like 10, and they're going to go draft like Roma Dunze. I, it's it's right. not what it's going to be. But I even look, it, it, this would be a pretty big move up anyways, but from 28 to 20 with Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh maybe wants to get a quarterback, but they know they can wait a little bit longer, replenish, get a few more picks, and they go get a, maybe a Michael Penix, a Bo Nix. Maybe if McCarthy falls, they want that fifth-year option. I could see maybe even that being like a big trade, especially if it is, you know, we're getting into now the 20s, and only three wide receivers have been taken, and the Bills, I don't want to say get antsy in a negative way, but want to go get their guy, whether it be a Brian Thomas Jr., a Troy Franklin, you know, whoever it is, and they decide, you know what, let's go do it. I'm with you, Sal. I don't think they use all 10 picks because, as you pointed out a few times here, a lot of them are late round. I think they have three fifth-round picks. You know, yeah, they got to replenish yep. the roster, but yeah, like they're not all going to make the ro- This is still a very talented team. As much as like they are in kind of right. a, a dire cap situation, it's a very good team. For the most part, their offense outside of wide receiver seemingly is pretty set. That offensive line's phenomenal. You've got James Cook under contract for a few more years here. You'll probably bring back somebody in the running back room to kind of have that one two punch. Gabe Davis is really the only receiver of note leaving. You do have to, you know, rebuild that room a little bit with Shaki- or, uh, with Sherfield leaving, but it's a it's a really good roster. We well, don't know if they're the leaving, goals. but yeah. I I think Gabe Davis probably will be gone. But I, I think there's a there's a strong possibility if they want Trent Sherfield back. I don't think it, there's anything precluding them from doing that. Other than Trent Sherfield saying he doesn't want to come back, I can't see him getting more than a vet minimum deal. And then there's the intrigue of Justin Shorter. And I say that, and people might roll their eyes and go, what do you mean? He's a fifth-round pick. I get it. I mean, but, you know, remember Isaiah Hodgins could get down the field. Then he goes to the Giants, has a really nice breakout, and then obviously he tailed off. Remember, Gabe Davis was a fourth-round pick. Justin Shorter... Fifth-round pick last year, didn't get on the field, was on IR all year. That's a guy that I think they think about. K.J. Hamler, Brandon Bean specifically mentioned him at the end-of-season press conference. He signed a futures deal with the Bills. This was a second-round pick just three years ago. Didn't work out in Denver. He was on the Indy practice squad. Now, I went back and kind of did some digging to, to see. And he had some injuries in Denver, but he also had like a, a heart condition, yes. some sort of condition that kind of, there was a health issue and one of the reasons they moved on. But he's medically cleared, he can play, 
and he's got speed and explosiveness, which is what this team is looking for. I'm not sitting here and predicting, Zach, that K.J. Hamler is you know, going to be the Bills' number one wideout next year, but I would say that these are the kinds of players they're going to try. They, they want to unearth and say, you know what, there's something there. It didn't work out, but it might be able to work out for us. I loved when that announcement came for Hamler just because he is somebody that was so explosive coming out of college, and you saw that. And I kind of like when they brought in Andy Isabella late last, uh, last offseason of just kind of like we're going to bring him in really fast. We'll see what happens. And he was very, very good in camp. I, I will tell you, Sal, I am so fascinated in Justin Shorter Mainly because I seemingly know nothing about him. I know he was very good in high school, went to Penn State, transferred to Florida, and was essentially a non-factor in college, but he seemingly has all of the physical tools you look for in a a modern NFL X receiver, but he was a fifth-round pick for a reason. He was great in high school, but I'm somebody, don't tell me what he did in high school. That was three, four years ago. Tell me what he did now. But, I think he was like one of the top recruits in the nation. He, oh, he was. Oh, he school. was. Yeah, like that's like yeah. that, and that's why it's brought up a lot. Is he, he was above a lot of guys who were really yeah. good in the NFL now. And I'm just, but I'm sitting here and I'm like, I seemingly don't know anything about him. And you brought up too, because a lot of last year he was hurt. He was on IR. Like we never heard from him. And so I'm just, I'm sitting there. I'm like, yeah, he's a fifth round pick. Should I build that up too much in my head? But I've taken a number of calls here for you know one Bills Live for Show Bulldog. Shorter's name keeps getting brought up, and I'm like, am yeah. I the bad guy? Like, should I be doing more homework? Like, I just, I don't know anything about him. 803-0550, if you want to jump on board, is the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show. Sal Capaccio, live from the floor here at the NFL Scouting Combine. We are going to hear from Brandon Bean. He'll be at the podium at 1.15 p.m. today. You'll hear that, of course, here on WGR during One Bills Live. That'll take place. We're going to be... Also moving around and talking with other different people today. Local media contingent on hand. National media contingent on hand. It's the NFL Scouting Combine at Lucas Oil Stadium and inside the Indiana Convention Center. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back with the second hour of the Extra Point Show right here on WGR. You're listening to the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio. Brought to you by Northtown Automotive. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find it at Northtown. Shop online at NorthtownAuto.com. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you today on the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show. Northtown Automotive. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find it at Nortown. Shop online at nortownauto.com. Sal Capaccio, Zach Jones. You know what? Not only that, Zach, but whenever you call, you're getting we're getting connected with our fans. And that's also brought to you by Nortown Kia, West New York's number one Kia dealer. Shop online at nortownkia.com. So yeah, just uh Walking around the room here, a lot of the um, a lot of those national shows. You get the morning shows, but you know midday shows. Like I got, I see Chris Sims and Florio about to get going here. They're doing some recording. Judy Batista's walking right by me right now. She's been a part of the uh, NFL, you know, competition committee stuff that's being discussed. Let's just let, let's go down that road for a second. You know, the, the competition committee, the rules, things like that. Um, Sean McDermott didn't really give any indication on how he's leaning on some of these. But this is where you lay the groundwork for some of these rules that could potentially be changed. There, There is a sentiment, Zach, in, in this league to do something about kickoffs because it's largely become kind of a throwaway play, but with a very high, with a very high 
um, concussion rate. Actually, right now, going to walk over Zach. I got a Didi Kinkawaba from CBS Sports. How are you? I'm great, Sal. What's going on with you? I can't believe that I missed the major news about the pacemaker. Oh, thank you so much. No, it's a uh, phenomenal. I'm I, sort of doubting the news. I appreciate you don't that. Look like someone who just had surgery. Well, you know what? For me, it's just we're like I'm like the Energizer Bunny, like you. We're very similar. <laughs> you just keep going, right? No matter what. Well, there's no choice, right? That's, what else can we do? That's exactly right. How is your Bills fan's son? That's what I want to know. He is doing so well. And let me tell you a little story. I've got a few stories, actually. But one, Jay Harris, the phenomenal Jay Harris, happened to mention to somebody in the Bills marketing department something about Nico, or maybe she already knew about Nico. I have no idea. But a few weeks ago, a package shows up at my door, Bills pencils, a Bills mini mafia water bottle, a Josh Allen picture, autographed Josh Allen picture. My husband, I mean, my son, lost his mind. He was so excited. What a statement on how great the Bills organization is. My husband lost his, my son lost his mind. He was so excited. And my husband lost his mind. He was so angry. And he said, why do we have so much Bills stuff in our house? All this Bills stuff. He's a Steelers stuff. fan, right? He's a Steelers season ticket holder. Six years. His son has refused to drop the Bills. And now it's gotten to the point where my husband and I are actively fighting about this. It's a football team. Let the kid root for who he wants to root for. No doubt, and no doubt, and I think we've 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 talked about it. We 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 got to get him over to a Bills game, hang out. He's got to. How old is he now? He's eight. He just cannot jump through any tables, and no. definitely not flaming tables. No, I'm the same way. My son's ten. They could just play catch in the parking lot if that's cool. Perfect. Right. That'll work. <laughs> Funny that you say catch. I'm coaching my son's flag football team. I love it. Yes, and I've spent three years trying to convince him he wants to be a safety, not a quarterback, except the kid throws the best spiral on the team. So he is my quarterback, and he does also play safety. And we tied on Saturday because we gave up eight points in the last three minutes, a touchdown and a two-point conversion, and it was all my fault. We were playing a cover two, and we probably should have played man, but I don't know how to teach eight-year-olds how to play man, and it is still eating at me, Sal. Like, no, listen, spoken like a true coach. You're, you're a, uh, you, you got a lot of coach speak. Tell me about that. People do this for a living. Like, if three days later, a flag football result is eating at me, how do you do that as your job? Tell, tell me about this, about your coaching and flag football. I mean, we've seen women's sports, flag football growing. We have colleges now offering scholarships for flag football. Kids, it's where my son's playing. We're, you know, I played when I was in third grade, tackle football. You don't see that as much anymore. It's really growing the game at that level. It really is. And you know what? They're learning so many necessary skills besides just the catching and the throwing. It's even the the handoffs. Don't toss the handoffs. Stick it in his belly. It's learning how to read a guy's hips. As a, when you're playing defense, it's obviously we're playing a lot of zone defense, and I think we should have played man, but we can't play man with eight-year-olds because, you know, all those misdirection runs. But anyway, I got into it because two falls ago, so not last fall, but the previous fall, my son was playing flag football. I obviously missed all the games because I'm gone on the weekends. There was one weekend where I made a game, and I'm the parent that, yes, on the bench says, put your hands up, watch the quarterback. And my husband kept saying to me, that Steelers fan husband, kept saying to me, shut up, stop talking, quiet. And I'm saying to my husband, I'm just offering professional encouragement. Let me do what I am wanting to do. My son walks off the field. And he looks at me and he says, Mommy, next season, can you coach us? I love it. I love it. Next season rolls around and the league says it needs some volunteer coaches. And my hoity-toity husband says, well, you can put your money where your mouth is. And So, so you're doing go. it. I do. You know what? But I really like coaching the defense more than I do 
calling plays, so I don't call plays. Yeah, you look like you want to you want to you want to put the helmet on and just get get after someone and, and drill them to the ground. So much more sense to play defense. Would you rather have eleven crazy guys chasing you, or would you rather do the hitting? It's get hit or or hit someone else. Be the ha- be the hammer, not the nail, right? Exactly. All right. So you talk about the Bills organization being so good and strong. We know they have a strong organization. They've won four straight division titles. But there just seems like this feeling of, can we ever get over the Kansas City Chiefs? You've been around the Pittsburgh Steelers a long time. Mike Tomlin, you've seen these cycles and other teams. Can you give Buffalo fans hope that they can still do this with Josh Allen and Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean? So Dan Campbell last year, I remember, not this past season, but the season before, before they started their run, I remember saying to him, you have a young team and you've been in all these close games. How do you teach a team how to win a close game? And he said to me, you know what Bill Parcells used to say about that? The way you teach a team to win close games is by winning a close game. And so I was on the sideline for Westwood One in that Bills-Chiefs game. And all through that game, the Bills sideline was exactly what you'd want to see, focused, on task, no nerves, no anxiety, everything was. And as you know, it was a blow for blow for blow. Great game. We got to the fourth quarter. And there was a marked difference on the two sidelines. The Chiefs, it felt like just settled in. The sense was almost, ooh, a close game in the fourth quarter. We've got them exactly where we want them. The Bills, it felt like the chatter picked up a little bit, that there was a little bit more freneticness, a frenetic energy to what was going on. And I would never say that this is what someone was thinking, but from afar, it almost felt like, Uh uh-oh, is this a here we go again? And I think that the Bills just need to get over that hump, which they will. They will. They're built way too well not to. There's way too much talent. That's a quarterback that can put his team on his shoulders and can go ahead and win. I would have liked to see him run a little bit more in the second half of that game. But, of course, the Chiefs were using a spy, and there you anyway. But I really do believe in the Bills, and not only because I need my 8-year-old happy. That is an interesting perspective. Uh, you have covered and you do closely the Pittsburgh Steelers. What are they going to do at quarterback? I don't. You know what? I haven't been around the Steelers for two years, really, since I've been doing sidelines. But I, uh, Kenny Pickett deserves a real chance with a real offensive coordinator, which is what he has in Arthur Smith, running a real offense with his wide receivers being held to account for the way that they behave. And I think that... We sometimes minimize how much coaching matters. I mean, look at Ken Dorsey obviously has a new job with the Browns, and I spend a lot of time with the Browns, so we hope that that's a great fit just in general for everyone at large. But uh, you see the difference that when Joe Brady came in, and all of a sudden, doesn't Josh Allen look better? And it's not even about what Joe Brady's doing. It's just being more conscientious with the way you run the ball, being more conscious in how you run the ball. It's organizing the offense in a certain way. And so I feel like Kenny Pickett has not had the benefit of operating in a real NFL offense that challenged defenses. So before... Do I know if he's the answer yet? I don't, I don't know that. I, w- I want to believe he is because on a personal level, I really, really, really like him as a human being. But I think that we need to see him operate in an actually functional offense before we make a decision on whether he is the answer or not. This is cool, isn't it? It's always great to come here. Indy's a great city, isn't it? Um, it is. It's one of my favorite cities. I was just telling someone that this is still my all-time favorite Super Bowl. Really? Oh, yeah. 
It was, remember, it was the Giants, the Patriots. It was the Mario Manningham catch, not the David Tyree catch. And the weather was unbelievable. And there were friendly volunteers at every corner. And everything is walking distance. And if it were cold, you can walk inside. It's just it's a friendly, great city with good food and fun people. Well, I, love this I can't wait to see you on the sidelines again another Bills game this year because I love rocking and rolling down there with you. It's awesome. Thanks so much, Sal. Right, you Stay got healthy. it. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Aditi Kinkawabla, uh, she is at CBS, and she's on the sidelines doing a great job. She was at Westwood One on the radio for the Bills Chiefs. Wow, what a perspective right there. Zach, did you hear that? Fourth quarter, she said the body language was a little different between the two sides. And I think that is something to note and talk about from an outside perspective. You know, I'm on the Bills' sideline only. I'm not over on the Chiefs' sideline. She's kind of getting that entire view, and she says, yeah, Chiefs kind of handled the fourth quarter like, okay, fourth quarter. Bills kind of were a little bit more frenetic, and things kind of just, you know, got a little tighter for them. Ross Tucker brought that up when in, in some one of his final appearances with the show of the Bulldog for this season, that it's just like, he remembered when he was playing those Patriot teams of the early 2000s of like they just had that feeling about them that they were going to get it done. Like they've, they've been here, they've done that. Teams have thrown their best punch and they stood tall. And like that's what makes them a dynasty. They keep winning and teams, I, I do think, do get tighter. I mean, look at the Baltimore game, Sal, right? Like, I mean, that team was run heavy all year. That's how they'd won games. They get the one seed, they go up against Kansas City, and they seemingly throw it all out the door. I, I I think that's a real thing. It is a real mental advantage. And I don't want to say I'm I'm not surprised by it because it, it kind of feels like I'm trashing the Bills a little bit there. But in a way, I'm not. I mean, Kansas City has been there and done that where Buffalo, you beat them in the regular season. But you know for these players, it's gnawing at the back of their minds, but you didn't beat them in the playoffs. You had them, but then you didn't. And, and it gnaws at them, I would imagine. Yeah, you know, somebody had said to me once, and I think this is really interesting, that, you know, the the Bills teams of the first when they started, when they broke the drought, right? They broke the drought. They go in the playoffs. Obviously, they lost against Houston, but, hey, it was all about breaking the drought. And those teams for the next couple of years were bonded together by breaking the drought, right? Like, that, that was their thing. We broke the drought. It was such a positive bonding experience as a family in that locker room. And then 13 seconds happened. And for the next couple of years, it felt like, and it feels like, they're kind of bonded by that and not getting over it, which is the other side, the negative. And it doesn't mean they can't, doesn't mean they won't, but until they do, that's what that group is kind of in that moment maybe thinking about instead of all the, you know, breaking the drought back six, seven years ago, whatever it was now, and thinking about how incredible that was together. And now it's about a really, really awful situation that they didn't close it out, that they're kind of bonded by. And I think that's an interesting perspective when you talk about, the roster, and of course, it's not all the same players now, and you're going to have some more roster turnover, but maybe that's a little bit of why you do have to have some roster turnover to get people who've had different perspectives who weren't here for that. It's the same conversation, Zach, where Sabres players say mm-hmm. that we aren't a part of the drought, don't boo us, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you get new players in here for the Bills, it's like, well, they weren't a part of 13 seconds. It's a new perspective. We're going to remember it. Fans are going to think about it. We're going to think about their coach. And the GM, and everybody's a part of it. But it, there is something to be said for that, and I think, in going through that experience positively and then negatively. I, I completely agree. And, and, and as fans, we get the fun experience of having all of the trauma. We don't get to quit the team unless like, you truly are just done with them. But it's, it's been a thing that I've been thinking about a lot this offseason of, you know, again, they, they will, they've been eliminated in the playoffs now two straight times at home, which is not something great. But I, I kind of have been sitting there about this, like, Almost excited that this team will get younger, that we will get new faces because, Sal, I think you're spot on. Like, 
it went from this team was all about we broke the drought, we did that in our first year together, now we're getting good. And yeah, 13 seconds does seem to be that that line of demarcation of of now it's, you know, for lack of a better term, it's trauma bonding almost where they had them and then it's just ripped away from you. And now their entire existence has kind of become you got to get over the Kansas City Chiefs and then as it feels like you're going to do that, the Cincinnati Bengals arrive on the scene and then you lose to them at home after a truly horrifying uh, year of events um, two seasons ago. And yeah, it's just, right. it, it does, it, it, maybe it's, it's, I'm being a bit too poetic about it, but it almost does kind of feel like this team does need to break apart a little bit because of everything that's gone on for the Bills organization to kind of heal and move forward. Well, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean said they're not going to tear it down to the studs. But one team that is going through a transition and starting over again is the New England Patriots. Ben Volan of the Boston Globe joins me. Always great to see you, buddy. What's up, Sal? How you doing? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Always great seeing you out at these events. And really, for the better part of 20 years, I know you were covering the Dolphins but, but when you were covering the Patriots. It was, how are the Patriots going to keep the machine running? Now it's a totally different question about the Patriots and how they can kind of reset everything. Is that kind of the approach this offseason? Uh, no question. They ripped the Band-Aid off. You know, Belichick. Uh, gone for the first time since 1999. I mean, a quarter century he was the head coach, and everything around the football operation revolved around him. Scouting, free agency, draft, it's all, it was all Belichick, and now it's a new day. It's Elliot Wolf and Gerard Mayo are running the show now. And Elliot Wolf, first of all, it's been a total 180 as far as just the mood around the team. It's been very friendly, very media friendly, which I know the fans don't necessarily care about. They All they care about is can you win, but... Um, you know, Gerard Mayo has been great to deal with. Elliot Wolf doing a press conference. The Patriots haven't had someone do a press conference at the Combine in over 10 years. Elliot Wolf gets up and he, you know, it's like they're a normal team again. So that, that's been a breath of fresh air. And then Elliot Wolf w- was open about talking about they've changed kind of their grading system and they're implementing a lot of what he learned from the Packers. He's the son of Hall of Fame uh, front office exec Ron Wolf, who was kind of the architect of the Packer way up there. And Elliot Wolf grew up in that system as well. And they're going to bring a lot of the Packer philosophies, it sounds like, to New England, not only with you know the schemes that they're running on offense should be a lot more uh, zone-based now and West Coast offense based but um you know they're gonna i I think they're gonna try to draft a quarterback but sit him like what the packers always do and and take the long the long run uh the long-term view of developing quarterbacks and um a system where a a real emphasis on drafting and developing and retaining your own players which is something the patriots really got away from so it's definitely a new day here in new england now so is it definitely quarterback at three for them or could you see a scenario where they'd go a different direction I'd be very surprised if they pass on a quarterback. Um, there are three, from what everyone says, there are three excellent quarterbacks in this draft, and they're guaranteed to get one of them. So, I, you know, you, you never know when you're going to be drafting this high again. The Patriots has been a long time since they've had the excitement of a young potential franchise quarterback. You know, Mac Jones kind of fell to them at 15. He was the fifth guy drafted. Um, I'll be curious to see if the Patriots make a play for a guy that they um, – target or if they just wait to see who falls to them at three not exactly the most inspiring plan but at the same time if you love drake may and if you love Jaden daniels i think that's probably the way to go where you don't have to give up any uh, other assets to, to you know get a quarterback but whether it's daniels heisman trophy winner a playmaker or may who just you know is the classic quarterback prospect big strong arm great athlete um, I definitely think that's where the Patriots are going. All right, so how do you bridge the gap to that guy if he does sit? Because there's been a lot of talk about moving on from Mac Jones at his 
age, if you're going to go with another guy, it makes sense. You'd have to go out and maybe get a veteran. What do they do in the meantime? Yeah, I think Mac Jones is probably going to get traded, so I, I think he's probably out of the equation. They still do have Bailey Zappi, who I think could be that bridge guy. Uh, he's still under contract for two more years at league minimum. So, you know, I, I thought he got better as the games went on last year, his opportunity. You know, I don't know if you can count on him to start 17 games, but Zappi could be that bridge guy. Um, otherwise, you know, I'm looking at someone like maybe Jacoby Brissett, who has some history with Alex Van Pelt and the offense. He, he played for them in Cleveland a couple of years ago. Uh, I don't think it's going to be Justin Fields or Kirk Cousins. I don't think the Patriots want to make kind of that big of a play. Um you know, some, someone of the level of a Jacoby Brissett who can go in and kind of be your leader. And if you have Brissett and Zappi, that gives you, I think, enough protection where you can be patient with that quarterback prospect. All right, let me ask you about two pending free agents for the Patriots that we get asked about in Buffalo. Kyle Duggar, safety. Bills have to replenish their safety spot with Hyde and Poyer and question marks there. And then Kendrick Bourne, I know he had the injury, but, you know, what is your view of those two players and what they bring to the table? Yeah, Kendrick Bourne had a really unfortunate ACL tear because he was having a, a really solid season last year. It was a big bounce-back year, um, not surprisingly a contract year for him. So to tear your ACL in your contract year is brutal. Um, he was all over Radio Row at the Super Bowl kind of, uh, you know, selling himself, which – you know, they're trying to drum up a market for him. I have a feeling that a, a veteran receiver coming off an ACL, it's going to take him some time to sign. But I do think the Patriots would like to have him back. I think he would like to come back to New England. Um, Kyle Duggar, we'll see. I, I, I like him. I think the Patriots should consider the franchise tag with him. It'd be about $17 million this year. The problem with the Patriots is they just they stopped. Um, the few picks that they did hit on in, in the draft, they let all these guys walk. Uh, they have to start retaining their own players. And to me, Kyle Duggar may not be perfect. He's a great athlete. He's tremendous in the box. Not as good in the center fielder role. He's, he struggles a little bit in space. But he's such a great athlete and really coming into his own as a prime and as, as a versatile guy who can play up close to the line, can, can blitz if he needs to, can play back, play the run. Uh, to me, the Patriots have to bring him back. So I, I think they're going to be retaining, you know, Hunter Henry is someone I think they need to bring back. Uh, Mike Onwenu on the offensive line. I think they're going to be bringing back most of their own guys this year. Are right, you looking forward to play some golf at St. John Fisher in Rochester this year? We need to do that again. I mean, line it up. Let's go, Sal. <laughs> I'm ready. Who cares about football? Let's go play some golf. Let's do it. I know you're busy. Thanks for your time, man. Always appreciate talking with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much. All right, that is Ben Volin of the Boston Globe. All right, Zach, so uh, the New England Patriots. Jayden, who do you like out of the three, Zach, by the way, or the two? Uh, May or Daniels? I might have been talking about this a little bit earlier, but what do you, what do you think about the, the difference between the two? I'm more of a May guy because I was a big fan of him in his sophomore year. Uh, I also like the fact that he's a little bit younger than Jaden Daniels. And Daniels, I, say, I don't know if you've watched too much of Jaden Daniels. He takes some of the most absurd hits any quarterback in existence has ever taken. He will leap over the <laughs> offensive line. Yes, and just yes, I have out. seen that. And he, he, he's <laughs> such a fun athlete to watch. And I honestly, I don't really think you can do bad with either of them. I, I really do like both. I'm more of a May guy. I will tell you, though, listening to Ben say that, I'm now leaning off my my take that they're, that they're going to trade the number three overall pick or just take a wide receiver. Because as an NFL fan, I love that they're going to do this. As a Bills fan, I hate the fact that they're going to kind of play it smart and, and let their guys develop and, and maybe sit for a little while before you go in and, and really get ready for the NFL system. You know, and also maybe before like the talent is totally there. I, I like hearing that. It's just frustrating because I would have liked the Patriots to be in irrelevancy for a little bit longer. Sure. What about the market for Mac Jones? I mean, I can't imagine oh, there's 
that's a really tricky one for me because I know Bills fans love to make fun of Mac Jones. Let me just say this. Mac Jones has played some good football in two years. And I know it wasn't as much last year. His rookie year, he played some good football. And they went to the playoffs. And I do think that there's he's still young. He's on a rookie contract. There's going to be a team out there who's going to say, you know what, we really liked him in the draft process. We think we can get something out of him. That If it doesn't, he might be able to bridge another guy, or maybe he is the guy. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a little bit more than people might anticipate. I think so, too, because you, you said it right there, too. His rookie year was very good, gets him to the playoffs, and he looked like he was kind of going to develop into a really good guy. And I joked about it, but like they brought a defensive guy to call plays, like to the point where Jones is going back to Alabama desperately asking like what to do, and he, and he caused a lot of friction within New England doing so. His development was just... Stabbed in the back almost feels like it. Just it, it really seemed like the Patriots had no idea what to do with a young quarterback. I wonder who's going to be in form. You know, Atlanta's going to be a team I think is looking for a quarterback, potentially a bridge if they're not able to trade up. Pittsburgh, of course, could be a team that tries to do that, especially with what's going on with Mason Rudolph and Kenny Pickett. Are they going to be in for Fields? But he also feels like the most prototypical Kyle Shanahan quarterback. And it's almost a shame that they do have Brock Purdy because I could see him landing there so fast. Because I, I'm, so you probably remember the rumors when San Francisco had mm. that third overall mm-hmm. pick. That was the guy was Mac Jones. That's right. But, there was a lot of that. Talk, but then they, right? they take Trey Lance, and now it's just I, I almost I feel like it's going to have to be something like Minnesota with Kevin O'Connell potentially, where you know just run the system. You have Justin Jefferson. You got Jordan Addison. You know, and just and run our system maybe, but. I feel like the perfect team for him already has kind of their version of Mac Jones, I guess. Sal Capaccio, Zach Jones is the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show here on WGR Sports Radio 550, live from the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back here. Brandon Bean scheduled to meet with the media. He's going to be at the, one of the podiums here on the floor of the NFL Scouting Combine at the Indiana Convention Center at 1.15 p.m. today. So he'll be live here on WGR during One Bills Live. In the meantime, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back here on the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show. You've got to be able to get the ball either thrown down the field or you've got to be able to complete it short and then have it run down the field. Whether it's via rack or throwing the ball down the field and and completing it on deeper passes. So the, the game's changing a little bit too, though, with defenses going to more split safety looks and more zone versus man. And so it's kind of forcing quarterbacks or offenses to be a little bit more patient at times. So the value of rack is important then. If you're going to throw it short, you better be able to take it from 5 to 15 or to 50. And I think that's an important piece as well. That is Buffalo Bills head coach Sean McDermott from yesterday when he spoke with the media for around a half hour as well. And if you did miss that, you can find that on the Odyssey app or on our website, WGR550.com. And that has been something it feels like the Bills offense has been searching for for three, four years, uh, especially Yak. And that is where, for me, it's why, and we'll hear from Sal Capaccio here in, just, uh, in probably in just a few minutes. I mean, obviously, he's been saying it all morning. He's in Indianapolis. He's at the Combine. He's talking to people, trying to get people on the show. We've already had the likes of Ben Volin, uh, Didi Kinkabwala, uh, among others as well, John Harris for Houston. So, you know, we're going to be we're gonna be getting guests. But Sal brought up in the first hour, K.J. Hamler being brought in. Absolute speed demon of a wide receiver coming out. And, and he was in Denver for quite a few years, but injuries ultimately derailed his career. He even had a heart issue as well to start this season. And so it's, his, his career really never was able to get off the ground. But he was a second-round pick with a ton of speed. 
And he's somebody that I, I feel like the Bills offense is going to start leaning into because it's now gotten to a point with the Bills offense. Yes, they are good because Allen is very good. That O-line is very good. Stephon Diggs is very good. And we've seen, you know, really, really, you know, kind of, I, I would say, like almost like special traits out of Dalton Kincaid and, and big flashes from Dawson Knox. But they've just never had that guy that seemingly can take a five-yard slant turn it upfield, and it's a 30, 40-yard play where you look at the Miami Dolphins, and, and we can complain about all the issues they have, but that's a lot of their offense is don't make everything so difficult for Tua Tungavailoa. And you see kind of how um, Kansas City kind of handles it too. They don't have a ton of yak either, but they made sure to get guys who were fast, who can get open, who can you know take some of the load off of their all-world quarterback. It seems like the Bills just haven't been able to do that these last few years. Hopefully, they're going to turn this corner with just how good this wide receiver class is. Troy Franklin and Brian Thomas Jr. are two guys who are talked about a ton there. Franklin's probably the guy I may be most excited to see test this week. Uh, Saturday is going to be when we'll have quarterbacks, wide receivers, and running backs. But for him especially, like I, I know it's a it's a big talking point this week of do you want you know the guys you like to test poorly? And as a Bills fan, sure, I want Troy Franklin to run like the four fours, and all of a sudden like his speed is not what you thought it was. As an NFL fan, as a as a draft junkie, I want him to run like the four twos, guys. <laughs> like I just I want to see how good these guys can be. And then I'm, I'm going to complain as he's taken at pick 15 instead of 28 for the Bills. But then there's other guys, even like Jalen Polk. Well, I've talked a lot to uh, Josh about uh, off-air and even some on-air. Just He's somebody I'm higher on than maybe some others. And it's because I think he could be a really good complement to Stephon Diggs and really kind of replace Gabe Davis in a lot of the roles he did outside of just going deep. He's a very, very good blocker. He's a physical wide receiver. He has no problem getting his hands dirty. He's a good route runner as well. He's going to add some speed. He's somebody I can't wait to see the run the 40 and just how fluid he is coming in and out of his routes. He is he is a receiver I am so, so high on in this draft class. I, I wouldn't say I'd be comfortable taking him at 28, and that's mainly just due to positional value. I think that there's just going to be other positions they can go get if – you know, he's the only guy left there, but the Bills could also be like me and have him maybe a little bit higher than some others. But I did want to jump here real quick and just talk about Bears GM Ryan Poles. He was speaking with the media, I think about a half hour ago, and he was asked, of course, about quarterback Justin Fields and what is going on there. What is the plan? You know, are they, are they fielding calls for the number one overall pick? Are they fielding calls for Fields? And really where I just want to talk about this is just kind of what Poles said. It was essentially just like they want to trade fields before free agency because they want to do right by the player. They want to do right by fields. And and I and I just I, – I do love hearing stuff like that because a lot of times we can all kind of get lost in – Players are just players, and they're just and they're just chess pieces on our favorite teams. But Fields has done really everything he can for that organization. He's gone through a number of OCs here. He kind of got brought into a really broken organization. I mean, his first head coach was essentially a dead man walking his whole first year to the extent that he did not formulate an offense around him. He formulated it around Andy Dalton because he needed to keep his job. And so Fields has been the you know consummate worker for them. Fans adore him there. And while I'm somebody that does want them to trade fields either to someone like Atlanta or Pittsburgh and, and go get Caleb Williams. Cause I think it would just be financially sound, let alone, you know, the talent wise between fields and Williams. I do like Williams a lot. I think a lot of people know that have listened to this station a lot, know that I'm a huge Justin Fields truther, but 
I, I, I like that Poles is going to do right by him. I also think, though, to be perfectly honest, I don't think the Bears are that far off. I think if you, I think if you get a guy like a Caleb Williams in there, you already have DJ Moore, a team that was flirting with 500. I think it could be interesting, but it does kind of feel like until Fields is traded, the offseason can't totally begin. And Josh said we got Sal back. Yeah, yeah, right here, guys. Yeah, hey, uh, Trevor Sikama's joining me right now. Tampa Bay Trey uh, online. You might know him, and uh, obviously, big, big time into the draft, and obviously the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well. But uh, good to talk to you, man. Good to see you. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, man. This is uh, this is great. You got a full mobile operation going on right here. It is unbelievable. Everybody's asking me, "What are you doing? You're walking around live." I'm like, "Yeah, my uh, my company takes care of me here. I got this little uh, thing on my phone that I can literally walk around. It sounds like I'm in the studio. It's crystal clear, and I can walk around and see people like you and say you want to go on the radio. And you're like, "Let's do it." All right, so let's talk about the draft a little bit, 2024 NFL draft. First of all, the combine. I mean, this thing has just grown, right? It's so big. You've been to any of these. Dude, I was talking to somebody the other day. They used to try to stick all the media people in a in a room that was, like, right outside where Radio Row is, and that was, like, in 2017, and then very quickly realized, like, oh, that's not going to work anymore. And so now we're in a much bigger room. We've upgraded and everything. The amount of people that we have covering this event for this league whether it's specifically for teams or individual outlets like it's just awesome it's it's really cool to watch this event grow as much as it has and people care more about the draft because uh, i think it's a pretty cool uh, part of the football calendar well back in 2017 we were still searching for a quarterback in buffalo not the case anymore but now the talk is still about surrounding josh allen with weapons this is a deep wide receiver class Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott keep mentioning explosive plays and getting the ball down the field so we're kind of focused on that wide receivers that group is this as good of a wide receiver class as you've seen that people are talking about? I think it's really deep. You know, I think that even at the top, like those three guys at the top, you got Romo Dunze, you got Malik Neighbors, you got uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Like those dudes, any of those three could be wide receiver ones. And we have them all in one single class right here. And then when you get past them, I think that some people focus too much at the top, but you realize guys like Troy Franklin, like A.D. Mitchell, like, uh, like Brian Thomas Jr., like coming in that next category, like those dudes are also high-impact players. They could be that outside vertical, like you said, explosive play type of players. And so those are the three that continue to come to my mind. I think when I do these mock drafts for the Buffalo Bills specifically, if I'm ever looking back into the first round, Troy Franklin, Brian Thomas Jr., those are the two names that I continue to gravitate towards because I think it makes the most sense for them, right? You've got a do-it-all type of wide receiver in Stephon Diggs. I think you've got some really nice slide, uh, slot options if you want a smaller dude, a shiftier dude, if the game plan uh, gravitates more towards that player as your wide receiver three. I think Khalil Shakir's coming on very, very well. I think if you want a bigger body, you've got Dalton Kincaid that's sitting there as well. So I think both of those guys can really handle those slot responsibilities. And then I think certainly with Gabe Davis being a free agent, you're probably moving on from him. Getting that vertical presence, I think, would be huge to continuing to allow this offense to fire on all cylinders. What about value? Is it better value to get one of those guys at 28? You might get the fifth guy in the class, Brian Thomas, someone like that, Troy Franklin, which is a great value. Or do you wait? You go second and third round, fill another hole with 28. Yeah, you know, I... I, I when I kind of look at it, like if, if, if they believe that wide receiver is their top need, I don't think you want to get too cute with it, okay? Because it's, it's a deep class. There's a lot of wide receivers. So when I think of vertical stretch guys, you know, think of Xavier Worthy is another name that, that comes to mind. Uh, Jamari Thrash, you know, like these are players who I think could be vertical stretching players for them, but they're a little bit more one-dimensional. So if you want a guy who it's not just that vertical threat, you're looking for a legit wide receiver too. So you want somebody that doesn't necessarily have a ton of holes in their game, and I think if that's the case, you'd rather invest – that first-round pick in one of those players, they could be more of a well-rounded, full-time, yes, it's a vertical threat, yes, it's an explosive playmaker for you, but they're also somebody who you can put on the line of scrimmage, which allows Stefan Diggs to play off. You know, Let him be the guy who's going through in pre-snap motion. Let him be more of a flanker off the line of scrimmage. Like, 
if you want that type of a player, I think you probably got to prioritize that pretty high in the draft. So if they don't go that direction, they can still get explosive playmaking. It's just maybe a little bit more streamlined in the role, not as versatile as a wide receiver that they might get at the back end of the first round. So I would say if they really want one, if they believe that's the area they got to hit, don't get too cute with it just because the draft is decently deep. Go get the guy that you think can really help out your team. The other position they have not had to address since 2017-18 is safety. But Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, we don't know either one of them. If they'll be back. Hyde, obviously, not even under contract. Poyer is. What does the safety group look like, at least, and how do you think you should address it, especially in a world where teams kind of don't need that one high guy anymore the way the game is played? Right, and I think a lot of these guys in this class, it's a lot of players who can produce from those two high safety roles, and because they're not necessarily those single high players, maybe they're just not valued as high, but you know, I look at a guy like Tyler Newbin from Minnesota who... I think people talk down on this safety class, and they really, I think it's getting a bad rap. Now, like, Tyler Newbin's somebody who I think could be a long-time starter in this league. So, back into the first round, if they were to go with Tyler, if they, if they thought, hey, we think the scarcity of safety is a little bit worse than the scarcity of wide receiver, like, if they go Tyler Newbin in the first round, and they end up getting, like, an Xavier Worthy somewhere on day two, that's a really nice haul to me for what they would want. So, even though I just kind of said, like, hey, if wide receiver's your top need, I think you should gravitate towards that in the first round. If a Tyler Newbin is sitting there, you really want to hit that safety position with somebody who's got starting caliber ability right away. He's somebody who you can invest in. And Kalen Bullock from USC, lighter dude, needs to tackle better, but man, he's got incredible range and coverage. So if you want to play more single high stuff, he gives you the ability to do that. And Cam Kinchins from Miami had a really good 2022 season. Not as impactful in 2023, but that's kind of how the safety position goes. So he's somebody I think you could invest in as well that could be really great. A dude who... Maybe a little bit more of a sleeper, more of a mid-round guy, third, fourth-round guy who I think could be a starter at some point in the league is um, is uh, Taylor Dedarian um, Tomlinson, I believe, from uh, from Texas Tech. I mean, he is somebody who, when I watched him at the Shrine Bowl, he was all over the place. Like, day one, he was already communicating things with the install work. He already completely understood the playbook, picked it up very quickly, got an interception that second day because he was exactly where he needed to be, exactly where the ball ended up going. So, really great as a back-end defender. But those are a, t- a couple of, uh, of safety options that I think they could keep their eye on. What happens with Mike Evans? Uh, he's not getting out of Tampa. You're not gonna. You're not gonna. <laughs> I think I do. I do though. I think that they figure out a deal, especially since the salary cap went up a lot more than people thought yep. that it was going to. I think that only increases the flexibility of. Looks like Baker's going to be back. It looks like you know with Todd Bowles back, they're kind of bringing a lot of these pieces back. And I don't think you can do that and then realistically say like, yeah, Mike Evans, we're going to let him walk. We're not going to bring him back. So I think they're, they're going to do everything they can to get it done. I know there's a lot of teams out there that yes. to get their hands on Mike Evans, but I think it is more likely than not that he does stay in Tampa Bay. Hey man, tell everybody where they can find your stuff. I appreciate it. Yeah, pff.com. We actually just released the first version of our uh, 2024 draft guide this week, which has all sorts of great information on. 150 draft prospects are in there right now. You got the, uh, the, the, the analysis, the trait breakdowns, uh, the tape breakdowns, strength and weaknesses, the advanced PFF data that a lot of people love that you can only get over at pff.com. So, uh, yeah, that's where you check it out. All right, Zach, you take it from here. I got to walk away here and talk with Trevor for a minute. All right, buddy? All right, Sal. Good stuff there. And, oh, man, like the safety position is something. I heard Trevor bring that up there. And the safety position would be interesting because whenever we hear about where the Bills could go, if it's not wide receiver, it does seem to be defensive line, defensive tackle specifically. But safety especially, and I heard there, you know, Tyler Newbin out of Minnesota could be somebody. I I wonder what the response would be there from fans, especially if a lot of receivers go and it does end up being 
safety that ends up being the first round pick. I think I'd be okay with it, especially if Poyer and Hyde are both not back. They need to get younger and in a way better there. But oh, the reaction there, I just be very, very interesting. All right, we're going to take a quick time out here. You're listening to the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show. It's brought to you by Northtown Automotive. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find it at Northtown. Shop online at northtownauto.com. We'll be right back after a quick timeout. You're listening to the Extra Point Show here on WGR. Welcome back to the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show here on WGR. Sacapaccio had to step away as he gets ready for really the afternoon schedule to really open up over at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. And I do want to remind you that coverage on WGR of the NFL Combine is brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss, Fast Sustainable Weight Loss, and then Free Support for Life, Awaken180WeightLoss.com. And by Outlet Liquor, when you need to stock up, it's the place to buy a case. What's your outlet? We heard from Bills head coach Sean McDermott yesterday in the late afternoon. We are expected to hear from Bills general manager Brandon Bean at around 1.15. He is scheduled to speak, so in about an hour and 15 minutes, I would imagine One Bills Live will be carrying that live. Uh, I do know as well they recorded a segment with Sean McDermott. They'll be playing that as well. And that's something I've enjoyed, just getting to hear you know, from really everyone, not just Bills uh, people, but really everyone. You can kind of get a sense of where everyone's sitting. I, I talked about Ryan Poles, the Bears GM, you know, he outright, you know, saying he doesn't believe Caleb Williams will not want to play at Chicago. He wants to do right by Justin Fields if they do decide to trade him and stuff like that. So a lot of fun. A little bit more on the combine, some news from today. Uh, all three of the top quarterbacks will not be throwing at the combine. Drake May uh, is now the latest. We knew Caleb Williams was not going to throw. We knew Jaden Daniels was not going to. And then Jordan Schultz of Bleacher Report reported about 10 minutes ago that Drake May also not expected to throw at the Combine. We do also have a Sabres game tonight. They are on the road, a two-game road trip down in Florida. They take on the Panthers tonight, and then Tampa Bay will be on Thursday. And for tonight, pregame's going to start at 6 for a 7 p.m. puck drop. It is an ESPN Plus game, but of course you can hear everything right here on WGR. Josh, how how are we feeling about tonight? How are we feeling feeling about tonight? We're We're feeling good? I'm honestly feeling really good. Do you feel like the win streak continues? I'm not going to do that. You know <laughs> me. I'm not going to predict it, so I'm not going to talk about it anymore. But I am also a little concerned about uh, Jeff Skinner. We don't have any update on him We yet. don't have anything. Uh, Tyson Jost was recalled from Amherst yesterday, basically right after the announcement that Jeff Skinner was getting imaging done on an injury. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I do take that as a little bit of more precaution of just like, hey, you're going to come with us to Florida just in case. Right. But I also was not there with Don Granado. I have no idea if he was you know concerned or anything like that. But should be a fun time, especially now with the Sabres. They win, at least for right now. They're, they're winning three in a row. Got a two-game road trip coming up tonight against Florida and then Tampa Bay on Thursday. That's going to do it for me and Sal today. Sal will be back on tomorrow starting at 10 o'clock. But coming up next, Sabres Live as we get ready for tonight's matchup against the Florida Panthers. You're listening to WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? 
we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 